everyone, it's Hilly here. I hope you're having a great day. I'm your host for today's show, and today I'm talking to Fred Perotta. Fred Perotta is the CEO and co-founder of Tortuga Backpack. So they are an e-commerce company, and they're the first 100% remote e-commerce company, which is on the show today. So a few things you will learn today in the conversation. You'll learn how Fred establishes trust in the remote environment. You'll learn the benefits of a results-oriented culture, which they have in their company coming from a nature of their business, which is all completely remote. You will learn tools which Fred is using to run their team and how they overcome challenges as well from not having an actual office and much more. I hope you enjoy. Fred, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's uh, cool to be here. Yeah, I thought we can start by you sharing um, more about yourself, who you are, and maybe what Tortuga Backpacks as well doing, which is uh, your company. Sure. Uh, so I'm Fred Prada, uh, one of the two co-founders and the CEO of Tortuga. And we make carry-on luggage for city travel. Uh, so we want to make people's travel easier and more enjoyable. And part of that is uh, by making it easier to travel light. So everything we do is carry-on sized, uh, making it a bit easier for uh, for people to uh, to travel, do it light, bring as little as possible, and enjoy their trip instead of worrying about the luggage. And uh, I suppose the reason I'm on the show is we are a we are a fully remote team. Uh, we are nine people right now, and uh, all of us are remote, largely in the U.S. And then uh, we have someone in Canada, someone in China, but yeah, pretty uh, location agnostic. Mm-hmm. And where in the world are you right now, personally, just to give a context to anyone listening? I am in Oakland, California, just across the uh, Bay Bridge from San Francisco, uh, but I'm our, our only team member here, so uh, I'm talking to you from my home office. Nice. And why did you go remote? Right now you're nine people. Was there any specific reason, instead of like taking an office, which you decided to start your business fully remotely? It started more out of necessity than as a intentional choice. Uh, my co-founder Jeremy and I started the business uh, on the side. Uh, he was just finishing up film school at the time. I was working at Google, and we started this as kind of a, a side gig that we wanted to turn into something and be, if not a full-time job, at least a, uh, something that we could live off of was kind of the the approach that we took. So we were doing this on the side, and we were living in different cities. I was in San Francisco at the time. He was in L.A. So you know we weren't going to throw away what we were doing to move it to an office together and work on this full-time. Uh, it was a side gig, so you know we kind of went with what we continue doing, what we were doing, and just worked on this on the side. And you know we were remote, but uh, we've known each other for for years, so that was never really an issue. We're always kind of on the same page with uh, what we were after, what we hoped to accomplish, what we wanted the business to be. So uh, working remotely wasn't a problem because we already knew each other and uh, knew what what we wanted to do with the company. Yeah, I know so many businesses and companies today online are sort of starting it really from necessity just because it's so easy to do compared to the past. So I'm really thinking about it. Like you said, you just started out and it went out that you're working remotely. So how is it different running an e-commerce company compared to other types since uh, you're selling physical products? And I know many remote companies, while there are many out of there, they mainly in the SaaS industry, or maybe different industries. How do you think it's different running an e-commerce uh, company which sells physical products? Yeah, the big challenge for us there is mostly in product development. You know, if you're a software company and you're working on a product, whether it's in the 
wireframe or design stage or uh, maybe it's like partially coded up, you can kind of compare notes online and be looking at the exact same thing online as a team. You know, you can make decisions, you can test it with users, what have you. But with a physical product, unless we make a sample of every product we're working on for every team member, inevitably one person has the sample or the product that we're working on and other people don't. So there are some extra challenges around building physical products, but you know we try to get around those with with meetups, with meeting with our factory, et cetera. Um, but it's you know you do certainly lose something being a physical product company and not being able to you know all gather in the conference room and look at this backpack that we built and let's see what we like about it, what we don't, what we want to change. It's hard when you're you're doing that remotely and you're having to to explain it to other people or take pictures and send them or uh, I get a bag and then ship it to someone else and they ship it to someone else. It just, you know, partially slows down the process and partially just makes it more challenging for everyone to be on the same page, looking at the exact same thing and, and working from that as a, uh, as kind of the single, single thing you're working on. So did you actually fly to the factory or making trips to see the product? Uh, we do usually a couple times a year at this point, usually a few times a year. Uh, I will visit along with our industrial designer, Patrick. Uh, and then we also have a team teammate who lives in China full time. So she's kind of the, the day-to-day contact with the factory for most of the small changes, QA, production runs, things like that. But, uh, you know, there is some, uh, will always be, I guess, some disconnect uh, in terms of the, the design phase. If the person designing the bag and, and making those kinds of product decisions isn't there, you know, physically in person. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, so Fred, you were writing in your blog a bit about building trust in remote teams. And I'm wondering if you can talk about building trust in your team. I mean, how do you actually build the trust in an environment which is 100% remote and you don't see the other people day to day? Yeah, part of it is uh, that you just have to do the work and work together. You know, it can be hard, uh, I think, especially when someone uh, new is joining the team for uh, for everyone else to trust them in that same way that they've built up trust with the rest of the team. And I suppose that's probably true at at any company, but uh, there's an extra level of that when you're remote because, you know, you aren't sitting next to that person every day. You don't yeah. see them working on whatever they're working on. You know, of course, your roles are different. So, you know, you don't know what they're doing every second of every day in the same way that you may, uh, if you're sitting near them, you know, you overhear conversations, you see them at their desk. So, there is some level of trust that you have to build up just by doing the work. So we, I do try to think about that for, for bringing on new people because, you know, you kind of want to get from that point of uh, a stranger joining the team to, okay, I really trust this person. I know if we're working on this project, I can ask this of them and, you know, hundred percent, I trust them to get it done, do it well. You know, uh, if I'm helping to develop the product and they're marketing it, I can trust that, if I make a good product that they can, you know, sell it well, you know, everyone, of course, wants their work to contribute to something greater. And, you know, you have to trust the rest of your team to, uh, to make that happen. One person can't do everything. So the biggest challenge is usually in people joining the team. Of course, you know, the, the current team gives anyone new the benefit of the doubt, that sort of thing. But, you know, there's still some, some degree of trust that you have to build up by doing the work. So, uh, we do try to, Whenever we bring someone new in, try to highlight, you know, past things that they've done. If it's a designer, you know, sharing their portfolio, that sort of thing, just to show with the rest of the team. Show the rest of the team. Yeah, exactly mm-hmm. what, you know, what they're capable of and you know, why you should give this person some trust and benefit of the doubt. Uh, especially if you're not part of the hiring team, you know, suddenly there's 
this person you'd never heard of before and you have to work with them uh, uh, on an important project. So yeah, important to, to kind of give them a good head start in the trust department. Yeah, I completely agree that trust is important in any team. And I think specifically in a remote environment where you don't really see the other person. And if you look at it as a team and you're all together trying to get one objective, then you kind of need to trust your teammates that they'll do their part and you'll do your part. And as a team, you will uh, succeed. So what are some of the benefits which you guys are enjoying from the fact you're working remotely as opposed to not having an office? Uh, I guess, you know, the obvious ones are... uh having the, the freedom and more flexibility in when and where you work. So, you know, some people may be morning people. Some people, maybe they work better uh, later in the day. I was telling you before we started that I took a break today in the middle of the day and went to the gym and had lunch. So there are some, some benefits there to being able to be in control of your time and to use it how you want, whether that's because you have other things going on in your life, kids or uh, whatever it may be. Or if it's just designing your schedule so that you're more productive. Uh, that can also be around what sort of work environment you're more productive in. So I have a home office that I work from a lot of the week because it's good, nice and quiet. I'm the only one here. I can really focus. Uh, but sometimes I also will go to a co-working space or from a cafe if I want a little bit more you know, energy and white noise and stuff in the background. Or work with a friend uh, from their office or something if you want to like bounce ideas off of someone, even someone outside the team. So it's great for being able to control the environment versus, you know, the average company or startups is probably a big open office. There's a lot of noise. There are a lot of distractions. And some people are okay in that environment, but it can be not very conducive to focusing and getting, uh, getting really deep work done. The other thing that we've really enjoyed with having a, a remote company, this is my first time as any kind of a manager, uh, much less uh, leading a whole company. So it has been helpful in building a very uh, results-focused culture. Obviously, you can't, as we're discussing, you can't see someone at their desk 10 hours a day or whatever. You can't see, oh, it looks like they're really thinking hard and uh, working hard on this problem. All you have are, are the results and, and an understanding of the process. So it does help to remove some of those what can be distractions. Like, you know, if you see someone at their desk for 10 hours a day, you can think, oh, they're working really hard. They're doing a great job. But if the results aren't there, then yeah, yeah, you, know, totally. you need to talk to them and, and uh, fix the situation. So uh, for me as a manager, it's helped me focus on the things that, that really do matter. Totally. No, I agree with you. I want to strengthen like the fact that you said that you can structure your day as you want. It's amazing that you can take breaks and not really everyone are fit to work nine to five. I know I don't in terms of actual times. Like I did a walk by the beach half an hour before just to relax as well in a break in a day. And if you have an office, you really can't do it. And this just helps me be more productive, relax, and uh, kind of jump into my second part of the day. We're recording this uh, closer to the afternoon. And also, yeah, results, definitely something I see every time because you, you don't see what everyone does day to day. In the end of the day, you'll see the results in the end of the day or the week. Yeah, it's kind of sad that in a normal office environment, you can't take that break you just said for 20 minutes, walk outside and get some fresh air because there's... No, no. Maybe people will think you're slacking. How, how can you dare to... Yeah, it's like a crazy peer break. pressure thing, right? Like, oh, if I get up and people think I'm not working and everyone else will, uh, you know, get credit for working, but I took 10 minutes off. Like, it, it's ridiculous, but it is true. I agree. I agree. I never had many actual jobs, but I served in the Israeli army and... The culture where I was is you have to work and be on your office nine to five and anyone either taking a break or going 
afterwards it was considered uh, basically bad, like against the culture. So it's definitely something you see in many places around the world. Definitely there is some flaw there. At least that's what I think. What are some of the challenges which you guys are experiencing? Uh, we're talking some of the benefits. Are there any challenges you're experiencing because you're all 100% remote? Yeah, so aside from the, you know, some of the physical products challenges that I talked about earlier, I think it can also be challenging. When you're not sitting next to each other, you lose a little bit of both spontaneity in terms of hearing something that someone else is working on, contributing an idea, asking a question about something that's going on, so then you better understand it versus, you know, if that's all happening remotely, then that conversation may never happen. So it is challenging to keep information flowing across the team as uh, as smoothly as you would like. You know, it's one thing to build the processes for, okay, here's how the marketing team works together. Here's our marketing meeting. Here's what we do in the sauna to track projects. Like that stuff is all great, but there is some percentage of that communication that you either lose or have to do more work to to keep that communication flowing across the team. I know I've run into that a lot of times where, you know, I talk to two different people individually, but that information doesn't connect between them because, I don't know, I heard it and forgot to relay it or assumed everyone knew it. And, you know, I find myself becoming a bottleneck in those situations. So uh, I'm always trying to work, find new ways to keep communication flowing and not have to be, you know, always through me or through some other person so that it can be, uh, you know, really be disseminated around the team and, you know, always keep each note of communication going, even if we aren't uh, all sitting on a call together every single day or something. So how do you overcome this challenge uh, and how do you make or try make communication more flowing? One of the one of the things I try to do is just not do what is the easiest and most convenient. So like I said, we're nine people, relatively small team. So I'm really the only manager. So I have one-on-ones with everyone either every week or every other week or so. And that can be a time when information gets siloed. So even though let's say I'm talking to to two people, I have their one-on-ones in a row, let's say, uh, on a given day. And I could easily transfer one conversation and mention that thing to the other person. I try to intentionally tell, you know, the first person in that situation to, uh, to reach out to the other one directly and have that communication directly versus me relaying it. Even though that may seem easier and I'm going to talk to them next anyway, I know that it's a bad habit to get into if if I'm always the one having to connect information from one person to another, like that just sets me up to be a bottleneck and makes their jobs harder. So those are the times that I have to avoid what's easiest and say, yeah, 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 I'll tell them no problem, which is the easy thing to do and say, you know what, can you tell them directly and also put that in Slack or also make sure that's in Asana so that everyone can see it and just do the extra work so that everyone has a chance to see that information or anyone can look it up in Sauna or Google Doc or whatever. Sounds like encouraging communication basically between others and not just yourself and the team. And yeah, just one-on-one. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, a lot of times, of course you want people to be able to come to you and, you know, have a conversation or whatever, but there's also a lot of times when I have to be, when I have to say, thank you for telling me. Now tell that person directly instead of, going through me, you know, (laughs) like sometimes you need to help resolve a a disagreement or whatever. But a lot of times it's just that conversation is better had between the other two people than me interjecting myself to feel, you know, important or uh, like I'm controlling the situation or whatever. Yeah, totally, totally agree. So 
Can you share maybe a few mistakes which you have done along your journey in Tortuga backpacks, uh, working remotely, something which you are mind sharing with our audience? Yeah, I think I would say most of our, or my mistakes, uh, are probably outside of the issues of working remotely. But one thing that I've definitely made the mistake of in the past is not being not being hands-on and not being not focusing on training enough in someone's you know first days and weeks and things like that on the job. When you're remote and a small team, like we don't have any formal training programs or anything like that. So we do tend to hire people who have experience in a subject or a field, even if we're hiring them into a job where they have experience in some parts of the job, but maybe not the rest. But you know, we just trust them that they can kind of figure that out over time. So we do tend to hire you know, experts, experienced people, whatever you want to call them. And it can be easy enough to assume like, oh, they know what they're doing. They're fine. Like just point them in the right direction and off they go and it'll be successful. But of course, when you're joining a new company, you know, you need to understand how that company works, how you can apply your expertise to that company. And for me as a manager and CEO, I need to understand kind of how that person works, what they're working on. And, you know, over time, you kind of get a good sense of how they think and how they approach problems. And, you know, that leads to working very well together in the future. But when you're starting out, I've definitely kind of not been in, not communicated enough with people and just sort of, I guess, trusted too much. Not that they did anything wrong, but, you know, I wasn't kind of hands-on enough to help that person integrate quickly and help the company, I guess, adjust to them very quickly uh, as they started. Because no matter how well you know your field, you know, there's still some some degree of learning, some barriers uh, to entry with applying that expertise to a new company and and understanding how that company works. So uh, I think that's been a mistake with hiring remote employees early on. Mm-hmm. And how would you train right now people? Um, do you have a certain structure or like an official training which you're doing right now? Uh, no, <laughs> I will admit <laughs> to uh, not being very good at that. Um, yeah, we've uh, you know we grew the team a bit in uh, 2016 into 2017. We brought on some people, and then have been basically the same size uh, for I don't know a year and a half, two years, something like that. So it's one of those things where well, it's not a pressing issue right now, so we haven't built up the structure around it. But as we start hiring more people again in the future, then then it is time to <laughs> to improve in that regard for sure. Uh, but I think, you know, part of it is just, even if there's not some formal training program, we have developed a, a handbook and some internal stuff so people can read through to understand like, okay, what are the tools we use here? How do I get started? What are the rules about this? And I think the rest of it is just like being in really close contact with that first, with that person as they get started, even though, you know, if, uh, if you're in an office, maybe you'd sit next to them and, you know, really talk them through those early days and, You'd walk by the desk a couple times a day to check in on them sort of thing. So you have to figure out how to do that remotely. And I think uh, going forward, I'll probably have a check-in you know, with people once or twice a day for that first week. And then uh, maybe check in every other day after that, uh, even on a call. you know, Slack is one thing to check in. Hey, how's it going? Great, everything's fine. Versus actually seeing someone on a, on a video call and you know, being able to address any, uh, any concerns as they get going. One thing I can add from mine, which seemed to work pretty well, is creating an internship document. So it's like a Google Doc. So after hiring a few people in the position, we just have like a 15 part where someone new joins in. And he would just go in like and actually learn their like questions, different tasks to do. 
And it doesn't take too much time, but it creates uh, this kind of official document, which you said really can miss sometimes for new people. So I found personally this to be helpful. And also I'm not the best manager myself. So what I do is also assign someone else from the team to be a mentor. It doesn't mean he becomes like the ultimate manager, but if someone's new joined, like I just tell him like, jump on a call, even 10 minutes, once a week or twice a week, like a quick calls, just have someone in the company to chat with that he can explain like who is against who, what's going on. So kind of those two things have been helpful to me when I'm onboarding new people as well. Yeah, we were talking about that recently. I've, I've noticed that uh, luckily a lot of remote companies kind of write about uh, this process sure. as they're figuring things out so we can all compare notes. And the second part of what you said does seem to be pretty common where you get, uh, you know, you start a new company and you get kind of a, a new hire buddy that's someone who's not your manager, not the handful of people you work with daily, but it's just someone else on the team that you can ask like, yeah. hey, where do I find this information? What do I do about this? Why did this person say that to me? Do they hate me? You know, answer these little uh, <laughs> things that will seem like silly questions in the future, but, you know, it's hard to to get your uh, get started at any new company. And when it's remote, you know, it's even harder to kind of build those relationships with the people that you don't work with every day because you could easily just not see them at all and not talk to them at all. Yeah, no, completely. Like if you join a regular company, I mean, you'll have someone to be on the side, kind of coach you, maybe help you explain who against who. So yeah, I do think it's important when you do someone remotely and it doesn't have to be the manager and can even take some of the load less, uh, especially when you're running relatively not a hundred person team. So it can take load of yourself from a management perspective. Yeah, and it's also, uh, I could imagine that could be a nice way for the existing team member who's helping them out to feel responsible you know, sort of yeah. Get into management. yeah if they want to be a manager in the future this is kind of like an easy way to to start uh, learning some of those skills completely i agree so is there something you think you would want to see change in the world of remote work from being perspective doing it for multiple years well i'd love to see more uh, more remote companies and more people working remotely so that's uh, you know that's why i like to write about it that's why i love talking to people on podcasts about this stuff so uh, spreading the word is probably number 1 but uh, i think one of the the bigger challenges at least for me right now is a lot of the infrastructure whether that be you know dealing with how you're set up in regards to government agencies and things like that or if it's just tools like a payroll tool or something that are not really designed for remote teams. I would love to see as as this kind of grows as an idea, more companies are doing it, bigger established companies are doing it, more people are working remotely. I'd love to see some better tools that are actually designed for us versus having to kind of hack together a couple tools or use something in a way that it's not supposed to be, but uh, you know, works for remote teams or having to kind of not know really what the law is because there's no law that applies to what you're doing. It would be nice to kind of know the rules and for governments and, and some other software to uh, to be able to deal with remote teams a little bit more effectively to, to make our lives easier. There's enough difficulty and overhead in running a remote team. You don't want all the paperwork and tools to also stand in your way. Yeah, no, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think more and more remote teams are popping up kind of in our world and yeah, those are actually two things which I would love to see more and more, especially legal perspective, just so everyone will be covered, and infrastructure in terms of tool. I, would, I actually would love to see those as well, making our lives uh, easier, especially dedicated for people working remotely. As you said, no need to hack another system to fit your needs. Yeah, I was writing a blog post a couple of weeks ago about 
kind of how what what payroll tools we use and how we manage you know people in different countries. And as I actually sat down and started mapping it out, I was like, wow, this is really complicated. Like if you're just a normal company with one office in one place, like it's so much easier. But I have to write a whole blog post about all the stuff we combine to be able to do it uh, for a remote team. And you know, again, it's for nine people, and you have all this extra overhead for a small team. It's not like we're you know some giant multinational. Yeah, it's not going to get easier probably when you'll be 15, 20, 50, et cetera. So doing this, especially paying multi-currency and different places around the world. You know, in the U.S., every new state or just worldwide, every new country that you add, it's like multiplying the stuff you have to figure out. True, true. I'll, I'll hope the solution will come. So are there any myths which are out there of the remote work world which you think worth debunking or sharing? Uh, I suppose the you know most people probably think that if you're working remotely or working from home that you're not very productive, you're not very serious, you're you know sitting on the couch in your pajamas all day, and yeah, maybe you have your computer out, but you know you're not getting real work done or whatever. You know I think people often just have no conception of of what that's like, especially if they go to an office every day. It, you know if you're working from home, it seems like oh you're just at home doing nothing, you know hanging out all day. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think the, the biggest myth is that it's, you know, less serious, less productive, or, you know, that these companies, the people aren't working as hard or that the companies and people aren't as ambitious. But, you know, I often find that that's probably the opposite of the truth. People want to be able to work remotely or from home or whatever, because they want to be more productive and they want to, you know, accomplish really awesome stuff and also then like wrap up their day at a reasonable time and have the rest of their life. So uh, I think people are often just as if not more productive, uh, both in their work and then and also, you know, the rest of their lives are able to do other things versus, you know, they're staying at work until seven because they don't want to be the first person to leave or whatever from the office. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. It took a few years, I think, for my family and friends to understand I'm on a vacation. <laughs> so I agree with this part. Could you talk maybe a bit about your company culture? I'm wondering, is there anything that you're doing for a culture? I know you're not 100 person team, but I really believe in culture and that's just a topic which really interests me. Is there something which you're doing or trying to do right now in your team to maybe instill uh, some culture between everybody? Yeah, one one thing that uh, I think about a lot, which is partially cultural and also I think just a good practice for remote teams is really systematizing things. So I was talking earlier about, you know, making sure information is in Google Docs or in Asana or whatever, but you know, I think the people can get hung up on the tools sometimes, though the tools don't really matter. You just need a system for how to do things. So uh, a lot of my job, I think, is kind of building that system and making sure that we're everyone sticks to it and that we're all we're all trying to work within that system. So uh, we've just been planning a bunch of stuff around an upcoming product launch and modifying kind of how that works in Asana. So we've got a big project with all all the different tasks from, you know, setting up that product in Shopify, uh, which is our e-commerce system to, you know, sending out the launch announcement email and all the web stuff in between and marketing and customer service. And, you know, it turns into this giant project with all kinds of dates and everyone assigned. And, you know, it seems like it could seem like a lot of bureaucracy and overhead from, from the outside. But if you want a remote team to actually function and work well and for everyone to know what's going on and know what to do in all these situations like you have to build some of these systems so that's been a big thing that's both i think helps remote teams work well but also then becomes kind of cultural you know if you can 
installed in everyone, then every time there's a change, everyone knows to go and update the system in Asana or wherever it is. So it ends up becoming uh, becoming part of the culture. So that's kind of a, a big one that I've been uh, been thinking about lately. Mm. Cool, cool. And what are your favorite tools which you're right now using in your team to kind of help run um, the business and the company? I've probably mentioned uh, a lot of them uh, on the you call. You did mention like, a few. Uh, probably yeah. work. Uh, yeah, Asana, which um, you know I mentioned a few times, but I'm always happy to to help promote. That's that's kind of our our place of record for for what's going on. So that may be I also use Asana. Yeah, tasks around a launch, or uh, we also use it to keep track of where new products are in development. And you know, one of the the things we focus on with that is like. There's one place where you know anyone in the company can look up, hey, which products are we like sampling? Which ones are we working on? Uh, what day is that shipment coming in so we can launch this new product? There's like one place where everyone can look up all this information, you know, to help that information flow, like we've been talking about. We use Google Docs, of course, for a lot of SOPs and other documentation. We use Slack. That's kind of our. I try to keep anything too important out of Slack because it's too easy to lose, but it's more meant to be kind of our water cooler or more of the casual conversations and, you know, batting around ideas, that sort of thing. Um, because, you know, on a remote team, it can, that's the kind of stuff you can lose not being in an office together. So, uh, you know, we sure. still want to have some place where people can, you know, just BS and bond a little and share a song they liked or an article they read or whatever. So that's where some of the, you know, non-work communication. Yeah, that's important. All right, so we're gearing towards the end of the show, and I thought uh, we can finish off with a few personal questions. Uh, so what's a fun thing you've done this week or the last two weeks? Oh, um, <laughs> I just tried, so maybe this is a, I don't know, fun, weird, whatever. I just tried yeah, both uh, work, yeah. thing in San Francisco. Went to a, I guess you'd call it a bar. It was a Kava bar. Kava uh, bar, I, I, I heard of it, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever had it, but it's a, I think it's a root, maybe. But uh, yeah, it's kind of this very, uh, you know, the place was very uh, sort of a hippie lounge type place, if you will. They have all kinds of strange things on the menu that are not typical of a bar. But uh, yeah, it was fun. It was a new experience. Got to taste some weird things. Um, <laughs> so I, I would recommend it. I'm always down for any new, you know, weird experiences like that. <laughs> and what's the first thing you do when you start your workday? I've been trying to get back into meditation i was i was big on it for a while and kind of you know you lapse in a new habit and suddenly you, you don't do it for months at a time so lately the last few weeks at least uh the first thing i try to do kind of starting my day is meditation and then uh once i get all washed up and kind of ready to go for the day i i make my coffee and then uh try to start out with one important task that i want to do especially before checking email, opening Slack, anything like that. I try and queue love up it. a couple yeah, important it. things that I can get done early and feel like, you know, okay, great. I accomplished something already. It's, you know, nine o'clock and I've already accomplished something. And then also not get lost in email and Slack right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, no, for anyone listening, I want to strengthen the meditation part. It's personally really helping me to be able to perform these one or two important tasks before I go to Slack and email and my mind becomes completely distracted. Yeah. Um, and what are three things you will always leave your house with um, besides your phone and laptop? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Well, yeah, aside from the usual uh, phone, phone keys and wallet, 
for me, it's uh, and this is not really you know because of uh, because of my job, but uh, a big one is usually a backpack or some sort of bag. You know, I live in the Bay Area, so you often need to like add or remove a layer throughout the day because the weather can be a little weird. And then part of it is is because of my job. I'm often you know there's a new bag that I'm testing or trying out some uh, new product or something we're working on or whatever. So that's become so common that. Now, sometimes when I leave the house uh, and I don't have a bag on, which, you know, happens often enough, but it actually feels weird. I feel like I'm forgetting something if I don't have a backpack on. So, uh, yeah, it's really been seared into my brain, apparently. <laughs> cool. And are there any books you can recommend to people, something which, I don't know, Touch Your Life really helped you in business? Uh, yeah, I've got uh, I've got a ton of them. Um, maybe I'll, I'll send you a link for the uh, for the show notes, but... Yeah, a recent one that I've been revisiting is called Who, just W-H-O question mark, uh, by Jeff Smart. And uh, I've used that one a lot for thinking about hiring, especially. And there's some good advice in there that I like around, uh, one, writing job descriptions. Uh, so they call it a scorecard, but it sort of gives you a framework for writing a job description that's focused on the outcomes and the accomplishments that you want someone to be able to do rather than just like the day-to-day stuff, you know, manage this, track that. It's more about listing out goals and, you know, whether or not that person can meet them. So that can kind of uh, filter out some of the people who don't feel confident in meeting it and also gives you some things by which to uh, to measure that person once they, they join the team. And then the other part of it that's also helpful is uh, they talk a lot and have a few chapters around interviewing. And one of the big lessons I've taken away from that book about interviewing is asking uniform questions to everyone you talk to, to, you know, try to eliminate some bias, keep everything consistent so that you're getting a similar picture of everyone that you talk to. And the questions are uh, similar to the job listing portion. The questions are also focused on what someone accomplished in the job, you know, not just what, you know, what were your responsibilities, but really what are the things you accomplished? So if someone had, you know, let's say they had a job for five or 10 years, like did they just do the same thing over and over every year or were they really leveling up with accomplishing new and bigger things? So it helps you kind of get a bigger bigger picture of, uh, of what someone's capable of rather than just what they did day to day. Nice. I will uh, check it out myself for sure. So. Where could people find you online and where could people uh, find Tortuga Backpacks if you want to check one of your products? Sure, they can check out Tortuga at tortugabackpacks.com, T-O-R-T-U-G-A. And uh, I'm just at uh, my name, redparada.com, two R's, two T's. And I like to write and cut a blog there. And you, know, you can find a link to my Twitter and stuff there, which is probably the best social media place to find me. Sounds good, sounds good. So thank you very much for coming to the show today. Thanks for taking the time. Of course, thanks for having me. It was good talking to you. Small quest before you leave. So if you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate to receive a five-star review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. That can really help. And we also would love to hear any feedback that you have. Anything else you want us to ask Anyone coming to the show, anything you want to change, improve, add, or something you like, really any feedback, we really, really appreciate it. Have a great day.